Okay, I just want to introduce our next speaker and share with you um, a story from about 35 years ago. The model of the Hezder Yeshiva Sam was that everyone went to Israeli Shirin. I remember being jealous of my friends in Yeshiva Shalavim in 1984. There was this young rabbi in Shalavim who was giving them shear, just catered for B'nai Chosarts. <laughs> and uh, understanding where they came from and some of their needs, it made me very envious that uh, their rabbi was of a Berizan. In Parshat Vayera, we sense the versatility of Avram being able to spread Torah, Be'ekor B'Shem Hashem, in B'lachot through Mizbeach, and Vayera by planting an A-shell, and forming an A-shell, and a lot of different ways to spread Torah. And our next speaker has been able to Hashem to spread Torah in many, many different ways. I know you saw the flyer, I mean, he's around in Balei Dumim and Shalavim, and also he, he invented a model. He invented a model of the Nevasar, it was one of the first programs solely for Mayachlasar to try to build the Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael to cater to their unique needs, and of course NMY followed in that light. And he served, I don't know what's on the paper, what was it, Rosh Kolal in Toronto for many years? Baruch Hashem. And I have it in good authority that you just gave Shira yesterday and Kipipi Nesta Shira. And I'll tell you why, because my parents made Aliyah about two years ago, and one of my greatest concerns were, where's my father going to find a Rebbe and someone to learn from? And uh, my father knows how to learn Baruch Hashem. They love with some very special people. And I want to thank you on a personal level for being that person. My father you know, uh, runs the Amos Center. Is that the name of the, the Amos Center? Amos Learning Center. And tonight he's running from this to go run a sim or the Sechah Shabbos that is being attended by over 300 people, each of them have taken a daf or some Gemara to learn with those things. So we're very happy that you came and thank you. I want to share with you the insights of the Chassam Sofer, the great Chassam Sofer who lived 150 years ago, into the opening parsha of Vayera, the story of the Archim of Avram Avinu and Sarayimim. But first, in order to give you some background to appreciate this drush of the Chassam Sofa that I want to share with you, I want to open up to Parshas Emor, where the Torah goes through the Moadim and focus on Chag HaShavuos, which is our Chag Matan Torah Seidu. And the Torah emphasizes that there's one central carbon. Every holiday, every moed has its central feature, its central primary carbon. What is the primary carbon of Chag HaShavuos? Anybody know? I'll give you a hint. Shteilechem, exactly, the Shteilechem. The Torah goes out of its way to tell us that there's a special, unique carbon and in the Sefta Menachas, there's a whole chapter that's dedicated to this carbon called the Shtea Lechem, that is the essence, the critical, in a sense, personality of Chagashvos. And the question that I want to raise with you is, what is the connection between Shtea Lechem, these two loaves of bread, that we bring on Chagashvos and Matan Torah Seder in the giving of the Torah? And the key to unravel the mystery the secret below the surface of the Shteal Lechem lies in the Zohar. The Zohar says that these two Lechamim represent Torah and Torah When the Torah is given, we think mistakenly and sometimes superficially that the Torah is given as a written book, codified and formulated in words and sentences, limited, a beginning and end, 
And that's the Torah. The Torah was given in a twofold way. It's not just Torah Shvichsav, it's Torah Shvalpeh. Hence, the Shteh Lechem represent these two parts of Matan Torah. And they represent the critical carbon that reflects the very character and the essence of Yom Matan Torah Sing. Fast forward for a moment from the Zohar, many, many centuries down the line, to the Ramah. The Ramah Shulchan Aruch Arachayim asks the following question. Why is it that on Chagash the holiday that commemorates our giving of the Torah, our receiving of the Torah, we eat milchiks. I know you'll tell me we love to eat milchiks, you know, cheese bullets, and there are many, many explanations. The Ramah has a very unique explanation. Says the Ramah that because we have to eat two meals on Shavuos, one milchiks and one flesheks. We must have two breads. You cannot use the same bread for both a dairy and a meat meal. Hence, this minog of milchiks and flesheks represents symbolically the shteal lechem of Chagashvuos. It forces us, so to speak, to be kohiyah twice on Shavuos, once with a lechem for this meal and once with a second lechem for the other meal. If we connect together the proposition and the presentation of the Zohar as to the special significance of the Shteh Lechem, the carbon that represents and reflects the character of the day of Shavuos and Matan Torah as an experience, as an integration of Torah Shabbat with Torah Shabbat with the Ramah's understanding that this minog is going to compel us to have two suhas, with two Lechamim, everything fits into one package. And that is that our, our religion is conveying a very fundamental message. You cannot exist with Torah Shavuot alone. You need the integration of Torah Shavuot and Torah Shavuot. Having said that, I would like to present to you the brilliant insight of the Chassam Sofer to the Parsha that we're going to read in just two, three days down the line. Today is Yom Hamishi. Okay. So in just two days. The parsha describes the three Malachim who came, and Avram Avinu runs out, Vayoratz, and he takes them in, he's Mekayim, the great mitzvah of Achnosis Orch. And then Avram Avinu runs into the oil, and he says to Sari Menu, Lushi Vasi Ugos. But listen carefully to the language of the Torah. The Torah says the following, Vayamaher Avraham Hohela El Sora Vayomer Mari Shalosh, listen carefully, Se'in Kemach Solis, Lushi Vasi Ugos. Let's emphasize these two words, Kemach and Solis. Chazal, in the famous Haggadah of Hachnosa Sorachim, which goes on for almost two blocks in Perikas Sokher Sapolim in Bavadia Peivot Peizayin, point out that this seems to be a contradiction in the very essence of the Tzivri, the command of Avram Avinu to his wife Sarah. And basically, if I could formulate and present Chazal's dilemma in my own language, I would say, make up your mind. What is it? Is it going to be Solas or is it going to be Kemach? The difference between Kemach and Solas, the difference between a bread that's made of Kemach and one that's made of Solas, it's like the difference 
between day and night, between east and west. Kemach is basically natural grains, whole grains, if you will, that are made into a coarse bread. Those of you who might be health bugs, I don't know if the Gush offers this possibility, you may have to add something to your to your schar I don't know, will eat bran muffins, bran bread, whole grain bread, seven grain bread. These are the health freaks. Anybody here willing to admit that they belong to that category? No, no, no volunteers, I see. And that's called kemach. Kemach is not something that you're excited about, unless you're a health bug. And then there's something called solas. Solas is white refined bread in which the grains are refined time after time. Birur acha birur, naki after naki. So let's have it then. What does Avram Avinu expect sorry meaning to prepare? Which lechem will it be? Will it be kemach or solis? And the Gemara comes, according to Rashi's interpretation, to the following conclusion. There was a great debate between Avram and Sarah. Avram wanted to serve solace, beautiful, refined, white bread. But Sarah, he made him insist on Kemach. The language of Rashi is very, very telling. Rashi says, Ksiv, Kemach, Uksiv, solace. He Amra Kemach, for who Amar solace? A debate between Avram and Sarah. Omar Ab Yitzhak, the Gemara says, based on this contradiction, this debate, if you will, the controversy between Avram, who is in favor of Solas, and Sarah, who advocates Kemach. Isha Einehot Sarah Ba'orchem. And what this seems to mean, on the surface level, is something that's not at all politically correct to say that a woman doesn't Farin, which is a Yiddish word that the, the modern Israeli language has, has borrowed. Fargin means a woman is not gracious and forthcoming for the Archim. Instead of giving them solace, she wants to give them kemach. And in steps the Chsam Sofer with an unbelievably creative, original, and beautiful shot that changes and turns around the entire, the entire Gemara and the statement of Rebutzel. To appreciate, says the Chsam Sofer, the machlokes, if you will, between Avram and Sarah, Avram advocating Kemach, I'm sorry, Avram advocating Solis, and Sarah advocating Kemach. We have to take a look at a sugya in And if anybody's interested in a photocopy of the drosh of the Chsam Sofer, please come up to me after the shir. I'd like to share it with you. The Gemara Nidorma Dafla Midches has the famous principle, Moshe Rabbeinu Nog Ayin Tova. What does this mean? The Gemara says that in the divine plan, the Torah was meant to be given in a very unique, exclusive way to Moshe and his descendants. Yes, the Torah is given to all of Klal Yisrael, but not all of the Torah. There was one dimension of Torah and Torah study which was meant in a singular way, to be given to Moshe Rabbeinu and Moshe Rabbeinu only. And the Gemara goes on to say the following. 
Moshe Noad Tovas Ayin in Klal Yisrael. Moshe was very gracious. He was open to the idea of sharing his unique portion and transmitting it to Klal Yisrael. What was the part of the Torah that was meant to be given to Klal Yisrael? Minus what part of Torah that was meant exclusively for Moshe Rabbeinu until he was knowing I Tovah? And the Gemara goes on in the Sechta Nidam to praise Moshe Rabbeinu for his Ayin Tovah. The Gemara says as follows. There's something called Pilpula Shel Torah. Pilpula Shel Torah means the ability of a human being, of a mortal person who's here today and gone tomorrow, who's flesh and blood, to apply his intellectual capacity to analyze the Torah itself to see the insights into the Torah, to draw conclusions for the Torah. That's called Pilpula Shel Torah. On the other hand, the rest of the Torah is called Halacha Brura. Halacha Brura. And by the way, the Merkaz Rav Yeshiva has a set of Gemaras called Halacha Brura. I don't know if they have it here. And the Halacha Brura means the clear-cut Halacha, dry, final, no need for pilpul, no need for dialectic, no need for analysis, no need for hamavim and maskana, no need for building and, re- and destroying. It's just simply as it is. You get what you see, and that's called halacha bruna. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in his divine plan, did not want to impose, if you will, on Klal Yisrael, the responsibility of pilpula shel Torah. That would be designated for the great Moshe Rabbeinu and presumably his great descendants. But Moshe Rabbeinu had a different plan in mind. And his was to share the Pilpula Shel with all of Klali's. And the Gemara applies to Moshe Rabbeinu, the Pesach in Mishlei, Tov Ayin Hu Yevurach. May Moshe be blessed because of his Tov Ayin, because he was willing to share Pilpula Torah with all of Klaus. Herein, says the Chassam Sofer, lies the secret to the debate between Avram Avinu and Sarimi. But in order to appreciate the words of Sofer, we need one last introduction. And that is that every story in the Torah has to be understood on two different levels. One level is what we call Pshuto Shalmikra, the story is told, and we have to understand it, translate it, and it's material, it's physical, it's concrete, it's real. It's absolutely tangible. But there's a second level. The Torah is a book of eternity. The Torah is an embodiment of lessons of morality that's for all eternity, for all generations. And so, says the Sam Sofer, in a description of the Hathnosas Archim, of Avram and Sar, we are compelled to ask the following question. Yes, on a physical level, on a material level, Avram advocates Kemach, Sar, Solis. But why is this incorporated and codified in the Torah, the book of Netzach Netzachim, for all eternity? There must be a deeper message. What are we meant to learn, generation after generation, throughout Jewish history, from this great debate, between Avram and Sarah. Says the Sofer that Avram Avinu 
wanted to give the Archim a lesson for life, a lesson for Torah, an unbelievable revelation about the truth of Torah, how to serve Hashem. And all this lies in the bread that's made from solace. What is solace? Solace means something that's refined, something that's perfect, something that represents MS, truth. There's no admixture of falsehood. This, says the Sam Sofer, was the divine opinion, the will of God, to give the Torah to Klal Yisrael as Allah Brura, to leave out Pilpulah Torah, because Pilpulah Torah raises the possibility, exposes us to the, uh, to the vulnerability, or shall we say the jeopardy, of perhaps falsifying the Torah. Give me a set table. It's solace. It's pure. It's knocking. It's mevurar. It's absolutely clear. There's no room for debate. There's no room for error. No margin of error. No room for human fabrication. It's a cut. And there it is, right in front of me. So Avram Avinu's recommendation in favor of solace is a symbolic message that how great is God's will to share the Torah as solace, as halacha brutal, as that which is absolutely clear, without any margin of error. Until, enter stage, front stage, Sarah Imeh, and she advocates, following, as Luxam Sofer says in the flips of Moshe Rabbeinu, with a Torah that's called Kemach. Kemach requires Amelus. Kemach is not something that you could just look at the Kemach and say, that's the way I want to have it. Kemach requires a process of birur, a process of nekius, a process in which we have to refine the Kemach. Adam li amel yulad. Torah requires amelus. This is pilpula shel Torah. Here, sorry, Menu follows in the footsteps of Moshe Rabbeinu. The idea of Soros Ayin, as Rabbi Yitzhak formulated in the Gemara in Bab Metzir, with regard to describing Sari Menu's recommendation in favor of Kemach, leaving out the Solas, is a different concept of Tsaros Ayin. Sometimes, a Tsar Ayin, a person who doesn't give you that which is absolutely complete and prepared, perfect, Munach al-Shulchan, the knife is here, the fork is here, the plate is here, the, the, the napkin is here, Sometimes, that Saurus Ayin is working for your benefit. And in Torah learning, the essence of Torah, the epitome of Torah, reaching the apex, requires work. On one level, you're given Kemach. But Kemach requires Halicha mi madrega madrega. It requires going from one level, climbing and rising to another level, and then to the third level with a great deal of amelus. This is the Tsaris Ayin, says the Tzam Sofer, the Rabbi Yitzhak had in mind in describing Tsaris' recommendation for Kemach. And the Tzam Sofer goes on to make a very, very, a very uh, profound, profound statement. The parish of Achnosis Orchem has to be understood on two levels, as we said before, in the literal, physical, material level and on the symbolic level. Avram and Sarah are now debating 
how to transmit for all generations the approach to serving Hashem. Avram Avinu said that God did not want to share and impose upon Klal Yisrael. Pilpula shel Torah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to transmit to Klal Yisrael only Halacha Brura. And so, Halacha Brura, simple, straightforward, with no room for error, all pure emes, is the approach of Avram Avinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, on the other hand, had another approach. His approach was Pilpula Shaltor. At Prada Fesh, at first glance, it would seem that Avram Avinu is correct. HaKadosh Baruch, whose intuition was, why go into Pilpula Shaltor and risk the possibility of an admixture of falsehood, of distortion of Torah? The Gemara describes over and over again throughout Shas, Chevrusas, who sat down and yelled at each other and screamed at each other. Perhaps in a modern sense, they would throw shtender one at the other. And that's because they were excited about Pilpula Shel Torah. The Gemara in Shavuos talks about one Amora who said, if the Allah is not like me, I'm going to take an oath that the Allah is like, like me. And that's what we heard from Arabeim. Another man, the Amor, said, no, I'll take an oath that the Allah is like me. And that's what we heard from Arabeim. So the Gemara asks the question, one of them by definition took a false oath. He's Chayva Karben Shmuah. And the Gemara says, Onus, that Shichachov, forgetting, is part of an Onus. He was absolutely convinced that he was right. Perhaps the Rebbe had such a Havamina. And even such a Havamina is correct. Says Avramavin, you know what we're going to do? We're going to present the guests with solace, with what we call the Maskaras Halacha. We're going to avoid and circumvent all the necessity for people for building, for destroying, for Kiddushe Torah. Let's present the Torah on a silver platter. No sweat, no toil, no amelus. And if I could add a Yiddish word here, I don't know if you're familiar with it, no harva. Harva means when you sweat it out. Comes along Sarah, and she says no. Present the guests with kema. Let them convert the grains into solids. Let's see them get actively involved in the process of creating Torah. Yes, it certainly means we're exposing Klal Yisrael to Havamidus to present Svaras and build castles in the sky, which ultimately will be destroyed. But when a person experiences Pilpula Shel Torah, when he dedicates himself, throws himself into the ring to fight Melchanta Shel Torah, presenting a Havamidah, and his, and his chavrusa, his friend, rejects that havamina. And he goes back and refines it. In this whole process, refining the Torah becomes part of his soul, becomes part of his very essence. And here the Chassam Sofer says that is sorry, Menus stingy? Is she not willing generously to share solace with the Ark? And the answer is, in one sense, yes. But on a more profound level, absolutely not. She's very generous. She's guiding generations upon generations in the prep, in the, in the way of halichos, of going from stage to stage. A person who dedicates himself to halacha brura, there's very little halicha. There's very room for growth. There's very, room, there's very little room to go beyond the simple pshat. Just translate the word. 
And I don't know, somebody will have to help me on this. Is there an art skill translation of the Shulchan Aruch? I don't know. Did they get to that yet? No? They're not up to that, Madrid. Okay, that'll come too. And that's all you have to do. What we call in Yiddish, Taishvert, Taishvert. You know, just translate the words, and that's it. Says the Sam Sofer. Listen to the words of Shlomo Mel describing Sari Menu in the Perik of Mishle that we read every Friday night. Mishlei Periklamadal. Sophia Halichos Basin. Some Sofer interprets it thus. Sophia, Sofa Umabita. She looks with a vision that breaks all horizons, way beyond the vision of you and I. Halichos Basin. Says that some Sofer Halichos. Lilamid halichos. She's there to teach us halichos. Move from one spot, from one madriga, climb to a higher madriga. It requires great toil. It requires pilpula shel Torah. But the rewards by far outweigh any of that work. The benefits are absolutely great. Says the apostle. And I'm hoping that if you accept this, You'll take it to your Friday night table. Not just this Friday night, but every single Friday night for the rest of your lives. The lechem atzlus lotoch. She sorry me. Representing the Eishaschayel of Mishlech of Zion. Lechem! You want to feed the guests lechem? You want to teach your Talmidim lechem? Ah, that's fine. As long as it's atzlus lo tochal, there's no element of atzlus, of being lazy about it and saying, spoon feed me because I want to get the Torah on a silver platter. I'm not willing to approach the Torah from the perspective of Kemah. I want solace. I want the easy way. And Rabosa, I have to tell you from my limited years of experience in teaching. The message of sorry is as profound today, and maybe even more profound, than it was when she recited this pasuk. Lechem atzlus lotocha. We are tempted to eat the lechem of solace because we want atzlus. We want to be lazy, be laid back, and get the easy way out. Says sorry menu. Don't feed your guests the lechem of atzus, meaning don't give them halacha k'moshehi, the regurgitated Gemara, or halacha, without any biru. But now the Chassam Sofer asks a very poignant question, having proposed a brilliant thesis. What do we do with the Pasuk itself? The Pasuk itself that I read to you earlier says the following. Lushi Vayivayar Avram Ohel El Sora Vayomer Mari Shalosh Seim Kemach Solis. Chazal ask, how could it be Kemach and Solis? It's either or. And hence, the Gemara proposes a machlokes between Avram and Sora. But yet, Avram Avinu commands Sora to bring and cook and, and bake. Kemach Solis. How do we understand the Pshuto Shol Mikra? And here the Chsam Sofer says, 
that after Sarah presented her concept of Tovas Ayin, her concept of Lechem Shel Kemach, Avram Avinu said, what we call in the Gemara Erev and elsewhere, Elu V'Elu Divri Lechem We have to present Kemach Solis. It's got to be Kemach and Solis. And hence, two breads, one bread that's going to be whole grain bread made of Kemach, and another loaf of bread for the Archim that's going to be solas, refined white bread. So what is the final answer, says the Sam Sofer? Had it Avram Avinu Paskin? What was his final Achra? And the Sam Sofer says, read the Pesach carefully. Lechem first, and then solas. You want to achieve solas, what we call lelaminas asugyo. First, begin with Lechem. The beginning of the process must be Lechem. Sorry, Menu is right. We must desperately endeavor and, and, and throw ourselves in to the enterprise of, of Kemach, of Amelis Betorah, of Tilpula Torah, to understand, to analyze, Ankus, what we call Ilan. To study, to look at a halacha and a principle from many perspectives. The Gemara always asks me, Noah. I don't know if anyone here is learning any kudshin because the Dafyomi is learning kudshin. If you learn a little menachas and zvachim before it, you'll see that probably 90% of kudshin is minon, is psukim, and drashos. Half of Masechta Kedushin is drashos. A Yalfusa here and a Yalfusa there. Sometimes from the Pasuk, sometimes a Hekesh, sometimes a Xerish Shabbos, sometimes a Kalachomer. Why not just give me the final answer? But in the process of analyzing the Yalfusa and the derivation, we begin to reveal different dimensions of the Halacha. Hence, Eilu V'Eilu, Divili Kimchai. First comes Kemach, then comes Solah. On the day that commemorates Matan Torah, we bring two Lachamim in the Beis HaMikdash. And the Ramah says, we too today have the meaning of two Lachamim. We have a Lechem of Kemach, and we have a Lechem of Solis. But it's important to understand and appreciate the sequence. First comes the Lechem of Kemach, and only then comes the Lechem of Solis. If you want to arrive and achieve Solis, then first, it's got to be Kemach. It's got to be on mailers. It's got to be work. I have in front of me uh, an essay, which I'm sure most, most of you, if not all of you, have seen or familiar with at least uh, to some extent, called Halachic Man by Moreno Rabbeinu Arav Soloveitchik. The first half of Halachic Man is dedicated, by the way, if there are questions, I'll take questions in a few minutes, is dedicated to describe the personality, the typology of halachic man, again, on an existential level. It's very profound. And in presenting the personality, the vision, if you will, the image of the ish halachav halachic man, he does an amazing thing. He quotes two svarim that were written almost simultaneously by two contemporaries. The only thing is that as he points out, 
these two contemporary gedolim were almost antithetical in their hashkof in their philosophy of Judaism. And that is the Vilna Gaon and his great disciple, Reb Chaim Valochen, on the one hand, and the Balatanya, the great disciple, the founder of Hasidus Chabad, on the other hand. In the Sefer Atanya, the Balatanya writes in the fifth parrot <coughs> that has a person achieved vacuous, oneness, commune God, as it were. And he gives the following example. He says if a person dedicates himself to study the Sunya of Migu in Bab Mitzia Daf that if so-and-so claims such and such, and the counter of it was such, and he could have claimed this, and he claimed that, at that very moment, when the person is contemplating and studying the Migu and all its svaras, he becomes one with the Torah, with the Chachmas Hashem, and God and His Torah one. And therefore, his seichel, his intellect, becomes one with the Torah itself. The Pella, the amazing thing is, that Reb Chaim Valozhev is Nefesh HaChaim, and the Rav Zechon Lavrocha here in Alachic Man almost puts the two texts in front of your eyes with a line in it. Word, word almost comes to the same conclusion. This is what Torah is all about. To work and toil. Pilpula shel Torah. Kemach shel Torah. Lechem atzus lotochal. And this work brings great benefits. First and foremost, it becomes an experience of David Bakers of oneness with Almighty God. I'm sure you all know that the great Sokhachev Rebbe authored, in addition to his Tshuva Sefer, the Avni Nezer, a book on the Malachas of Shabbos called the Igle Tal. And in his famous introduction to the Igle Tal, he presents the view of many who said that when you learn Torah, don't enjoy it too much. Because as soon as you enjoy it, you detract from your lishma, and therefore from your schar mitzvah. And these individuals, unnamed, anonymous, claim that when a person learns Torah, if he wants to achieve the level of lishma, then there should be no tainu, there should be no enjoyment and pleasure in his learning. The more you introduce and intensify the pleasure element, the more you lower the level of Shema. Says the Avnei Nezer, the Sokhet Shavu it's wrong, it's absolutely wrong, it's incorrect. The greater the timing, the more pleasure that you have in learning, the more the Torah becomes part of your bloodstream, part of your very essence. It becomes part of your very spiritual makeup. This is the great challenge of Pilpulach of Torah. I'm not just here and I'm studying the Torah as a book, like it was a science book or a history book. Chachmas Torah. <laughs> is something that I can become very much part of. The experience of learning, of analyzing, of looking at the Torah from every different perspective, and then in an honest intellectual way, dedicating myself to the truth, to try to see what proofs I could bring to this argument or counter-argument. This is the most glorious title of Torah that you can imagine. And here I want to tell you a short story. My father, may he rest in peace, used to come to Yerav Salvechik Shir in the Moriah Synagogue in, in the West Side every Tuesday night religiously. In one particular occasion, he was just overwhelmed by the sheer brilliance of the Shir of Rav Salvechik. He enjoyed it so tremendously that he decided to approach Rav Salvechik after the Shir. 
And he said, He said, Rebbe, I'm afraid that I won't get any reward in Olam Hab for coming to hear Yeshirim. I enjoy Yeshirim too much. I no temptation to go to an opera, to go to a movie. I enjoy Yeshirim. I get physical pleasure out of Yeshirim. So the Rav answered, Thus haste, Torah Lishma. That's Torah Lishma. Torah Lishma means when I enjoy my learning, I am so involved in the creative process, that's Torah Lishma. I love Torah, and it's part of me. And interesting, by the way, in a footnote, I might add that I once saw in the writings of the Ritziv Mivalajan on Chush that he writes that the oneg, the enjoyment of Torah study, is not just intellectual, but it's physical as well. The human body enjoys the pleasure of Pilchel Torah. That's pretty wild. And the second half of this book, called Halachic Man, is dedicated to man as a creative being. It's called Halachic Man, His Creative Capacity. Love begins this chapter by saying that Halachic Man is a man who longs to create, to bring something into being that's new, that's original, not to regurgitate that which has already been said but to look at something from a fresh perspective. My friends, please don't get scared away. This doesn't mean that each and every one of us has to write an author, a book of Kedushim. But if we look at the Torah, I guarantee every one of us sitting here has his own unique individual perspective on any Sudan shots. And that's called the Chidush. Man craves to be creative. Why is that so? Why is creativity so important? That Rav Salvedicates half of his essay of halachic man to halachic man's desire to be creative, to come up with chidush. And I want to tell you this. People don't realize how Rav Salvedic was obsessed. This description is very personal. He's not talking to an audience. He is the personification of creativity. I'll never forget. We were learning a sugi, I don't remember which Masechta it was, and the Rav got stuck. So my friend, I don't know if any of you have heard of him, but one of the outstanding students of Rav Salvechik, Rav Chaim Ilsen, <coughs> raised his voice and said, Rebbe, I want to tell you what you said on this very sugya five years ago when we learned this sugya. Without even thinking, the Rav took his right hand, tapped it on the table, and said, forget what I said five years ago. You listen to what I say now. When the Rav's Talmudians speak about their Rebbe, it almost sounds like Hasid talking about their Hasidish Rebbe as Maisimovsim, as miracles. What were the miracles that we saw learning at the Rav? I was so calling for five years. The answer is his creativity, his originality. There were times where I walked out of Sheer. Well, let me start this way. I walked into Sheer in a state of confusion. The whole sugya that I prepared with my Bruce Allen Dubin, if anyone knows him, was just one massive confusion. And then I went to the Rav Sheer, and in two hours, Sometimes three hours. 
I even remember a shir that lasted for four and a half hours, and finally the Rav said, I can't solve this problem. So the Zeus, so the Stav, in Cheskes Abatim, go eat your turkey. There are Americans in the audience. That day was Thanksgiving. And the Rav said, all right, after four and a half hours, I can't figure out this sugi. Go eat your turkey. We walked out of the shir uplifted because all of a sudden, every element in the sugya found its place. It was a beautiful structure. It was a beautiful puzzle where the pieces fit together. And I remember commenting to my friends, to my chaveri, if I were in charge of giving out a diploma with a PhD, the Rose the Colonel Brochi would deserve a PhD just for this year. And guess what? The next day he comes into Shia and starts from scratch and rebuilds the suit based on a whole different set of premises and an entirely different analysis. I challenge anyone to do this feat, which I call miraculous. You work and you sweat and oil and you finally come up with the absolute brilliant finish. You deserve a PhD thesis. And the very next day, you come in and you start the suit, you put the pieces together from scratch. So when I say that the Rav personified in the very essence in his very being, the creativity of halachic man, I mean it for real. Why is halachic man so interested in creativity? And of course, the first answer is v'alachtovidrach. God is the creator par excellence, and we must imitate God. But I think the answer goes way beyond. Creativity means rising above time. When I recite the bracha daily, Baruch HaTashem, Matir Asurim, and I ask myself, gee, I wasn't in jail. Why am I thanking Hashem for letting me out of jail? And the answer is, the human being, by his very nature, is incarcerated, he's in jail. He's a slave to time. Time is the most difficult challenge that man faces. Insofar as man is physical, mortal, he lives from past, present to future. The flow of time represents what we call, in scientific terms, causality. Event A gives birth to event B. B causes C. And the Chagadiyah keeps going and going. Where is there room within the definition of man as a mortal physical being for what we call freedom of choice? The end can only be if man has the capacity to break out of the bounds of time, <coughs> to rise above the incarceration of past, present, and future. Because as long as man is bound by time, He's bound by causality, cause and effect. It's for this very reason, by the way, that many of the philosophers in the secular world denied shuva. They couldn't tolerate the concept of repentance because repentance is a purely creative act in which man rises above causality. So too, in the dimension of Torah learning, the most glorious Torah learning, is that of creativity. Because when man is creative, he's above time. He's divine-like, he's God-like, and he breaks the bounds of time. 
The Gemara tells us in Masech the Hani Bavli Tipshoy, a statement of Rogel, that Tipshoyim would stand in front of a Sefer Torah, but not in front of a Talmud Chacham. They mistakenly drew the conclusion that the Torah itself has a greater Kedusha than the man who studies Torah. Says Rogel, what does it say in the Torah? The Torah says, The criminal deserves 40 lashes. And Chazal say, it's 39, with all the different insights and trusts. Who's greater than the Kedusha the Sefer Torah? We have an entire section in Shulchan Aruch, in the Ramah Milta Sefer Torah, about the sanctity of the Sefer Torah. Chas If a person witnesses a Sefer Torah that falls. But the sanctity of the student of the, of the Talmud Chacham supersedes that of the Sefer Torah. The Sefer Torah, if you will, is a kind of stagnant Torah. It is permanent. It's not changeable. It's not what Sara Imenu would call Halichos Besa. But the Talmud Chok represents the ongoing creativity of Halichami Mandrego Mandrego. His Kedusha, his sanctity, is not external. It's not superficial. It's not something that's stagnant and permanent. It's ever-changing. When man dedicates himself to the study of Torah, to Pilpula Shel Torah, to Eli, to going back and forth on a Havamina Maskana until finally he can clarify the Sunnah. He becomes the embodiment of Kedusha Satora. The sanctity of the Torah permeates his very soul. And all this is the oneg, the spiritual enjoyment and pleasure that the Avni Nezer in his, in his great introduction in the Iglital writes about it becomes part of his very message. Which Torah has the power to transform man? Is it the Torah Shabbat Sav or is it the Torah Shabbat If we started with the Zohar and the essential carbon of Mount Torah is the Shteal Lechem representing one Lechem Torah Shabbat the other Torah Shabbat Which two of them can embody, can engender a man who studies Torah with Kedusha the answer to this question is both. Both Torah Shabbat and Torah Shabbat can engender Kedusha Satora. But there's a fundamental difference between the two. Moshe Rabbeinu the Gemara says in the Gemara in Bava Kavate Beis established the requirement of Kriya Satora three times a week on Yom Sheni and Yom Chamishi. But Moshe Rabbeinu's Takon was completely undermined by a later Takana, that of Ezra. Ezra changed the Takana. Whereas Moshe Rabbeinu's perspective, it's simply enough to read the Psukim, and all you have to read is three Psukim, or call up one Ola to the Torah and let him read three Psukim, or read, call up three Ola to the Torah, let each one read, respectively, one Pasuk. Ezra transformed the Takana of Kriya Satoru. His Kriya Satoru required ten psukim. His Kriya Sator required Targum. And as I heard from my Rebbe's his Kriya Sator transformed this mitzvah from Torah Shabbat to Torah Shabbat In fact, the Gemara at the beginning of Megillah questions, what was the header 
for Targum Shel Torah. And not only that, Unkelis committed Targum to writing, which is a violation of the principle of Dvar Mishmal Pen. The Gemara establishes that there was a special head there. Targum is Torah Shemal Pen. I don't know if you've ever seen, but I've seen a minog in which after every aliyah, somebody gets up. I think in NCSY they had this meeting. I don't know if it's still true to this day. Somebody gets up and gives parsha highlights in order that people should understand the essence of the parsha. That's Torah Shabbat Peh. That's the Takot of Ezra. <coughs> and all of Afar Shabbat asked the following question. How could it be that Ezra Sofer would undermine and completely nullify the Takon of Moshe Bain. We have a principle that knows no exception. One Bezdin cannot override a previous ruling of a Bezdin, or Ra's Bezdin, unless they're greater. The Bezdin of Ezra, so far I have news for you, was not greater than that of Moshe Rabbeinu's Bezdin, of the Shivan's Gavim, of the, of the parish of Balos. So then what allows... Ezra to replace Moshe Rabbeinu. Meaning, if a person today were to read three psukim instead of ten, he would not fulfill the mitzvah of Kriya Satoru. Why not? At least give him credit for Takonis Moshe But the answer is simple, but yet very profound. Ezra understood that the ultimate Kedusha is the Kedusha of Torah Shmalpeh. Although Torah Shmalpeh within the framework of Takonis Moshe has the capacity of sanctifying the individual. And every member of Klal Yisra, when he hears the Kriya Satorah publicly, is sanctified by its Kriya, by the words of Torah that he hears. But nevertheless, that sanctity is a limited sanctity. It's here today and gone tomorrow. It's not permanent. It doesn't affect the transformation of personality. Ezra said, we need a much higher, more profound level of Kiddush, of sanctifying those who will hear the reading of the Torah. The ten psukim minimum represents what we call a unit of Limud Torah. There's no way you could learn Torah without understanding that there's such a section in the Torah that has a beginning, a middle, and an end that forms an intellectual unit without ten psukim. <laughs> and, of course, Ezra would introduce the minimum of Tarim to now uplift us to the level of Kedushas Torah Shabbat Peh. How many minutes from Mosai do we have? We have no five minutes? Yes. Okay. When Klal Yisrael entered into Eretz Yisrael, at the time of Yoshua, what was the agent, the catalyst, that effectuated Kedushas Eretz Yisrael? Anybody know? No, 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 that's Ezra. I'm talking about Yoshua. Kibush. Kibush means Milcham. And it's fascinating that the Oron Bris Hashem that accompanied the people of Israel, representing the Kedusha Satorah because the Luchos Avis were in that Oron. Kumu, the Afutzo Ibecha Mipanecha, the Anusu Mipanecha. That was the power that led Klal Yisrael through the land of Canaan to conquer the seven nations. That was Kibush. Then we fast forward to Ezra. Ezra comes 
after the Beis HaMikdash is destroyed to build and establish the second commonwealth by Hashem. What is the agent through which Ezra effectuates Kedushas Eretz Yisrael? And as you said so well, it's Chazaka, it's Yishu, it's settling the land. The Raman Paskets at the end of Hilchus Beis HaBachira that the first Kedusha, the sanctity, engendered by Yahshua in Kibush, is Kitshel Ashaita, below Kitshel It's temporary. It's limited. It's superficial. Yes, Kibush becomes Nebuchadnezzar, and his Kibush exiles the Jewish people. The Kedusha of Israel is gone. Again, I shouldn't say it's gone because that itself is a sugi, not for now. Comes along Ezra. And Ezra represents Klali's. It's a whole different perspective. It's Klali's still being called upon to settle the land. Rav Salvechik claims that the difference between the first Kedush of Kibush and the second parallels the difference between Kedushas Torah Shabbat and Kedushas Torah Shabbat. The Kedush of Kibush with the Oranabris, with the Edus Aluchos, was the Kiddush of Tarshavat Sav as it was engraved on the Luchos Abris. That Kiddushah is superficial and it's temporary. You can't hold on to it. There's no transformation of soul, of personality. In contrast, Klal Yisrael represents the Kiddush of Tarshavat Peh. Klal Yisrael, Ezra, represents Tarshavat Peh. Ezra's Takana would replace that of Moshe Rabbeinu because his Kedusha is that much superior to the Kedusha engendered by Moshe and by Yoshua in the process of Kibush HaOrthes. I would like to suggest in sum that although many of us are tempted to dedicate our time to study Allah Brura, as we said before, However, if we do so, we are giving up on such a tremendous possibility of a fulfillment of Torah study on the highest level. Creativity, depths of thought, transformation of soul. And that's what Torah Shabbat is all about. I want to conclude with something I heard from my Rebbe on the Gemara in Megillah. The Gemara Megillah Daf Gimel establishes the following principle. A man has a choice. He could go learn Torah or he could go hear the Megillah. What should he do if he can't do both? And the Gemara says, Mithatlin Talmud Torah This is based on very rigorous rules of Kedima. So my Rebbe asked the obvious question. Later on I found it in many sfarim that came before him, which he was unaware of. Why is that called the Vatlin Talmud Torah? Is Mikra Megillah not one of the Chathdal in Kisvei HaKodesh? Does Megillah's Esther fall short in its sanctity to any other of the books of Tanakh? If I hear the Megillah, is that not a perfect example of a kiyum of Talmud Torah? Say the wrong. If a person has the capacity, he has the time, the ambiance, the chavrusas, 
the Rebbeim, the base Medrash. He has the opportunity to study Torah Shemalpeh on the highest and deepest level. And he gives that up to come here with Yilah? That's called Bittel Torah. And it's only because of the rules of Kedima that he is permitted to terminate his learning for the sake of listening to Kriya will That all of us, each and every one of us, should be so inspired by the study of Torah Shemotah, by the challenge of Kemah, and finally realizing the great benefits of Kemah, and ultimately achieving solace. And in doing so, we will enjoy this world not just a tainu spiritual ruchani, but also a tainu, a tainu physical, a, a good, will transform and uplift our personalities. No one will rec- recognize us. We're here in Gush and we have every single opportunity. I appeal to you, take advantage of all those opportunities that knock on your door to be dedicated not just to souls, but to Kemach as well. And we Zochem Hashem to be sanctified and uplifted with Kedushas Torah and through our Bilpul, through our dedication, through our Melchamta Shel Torah, by looking at the Torah from every single vantage point, from every perspective, HaFochba, HaFochba, this will uplift us. This will transform us. This will sanctify us to the greatest level of the Ishalacha, of the creative man who is godlike, who is divine. Can you have some? Any questions? I'm here. And, uh...